How do you think your account is feeling right now, Steve? Uh, pretty stressed. March 21st. Not too bad yet. Give them a month. Yeah, no, like it get it gets worse, but I'm not, uh, I'm kind of booking stuff in May. First week of May, they always go on holidays, but uh, yeah. booking for the first, second, third weeks of May for any calls and appointments. Yeah. Sounds good. They got a lot of burden on their backs right now. You're working ahead. That's the whole point though. I think there's a ton of opportunity because their clients are stressed just the same, right? Yeah. People hate taxes. They hate going through the process. That's why they go to accounts in the first place. Just go through a few things uh, that we've kind of thought that accountants could integrate this tax season. Just some quick questions that they can maybe ask their their clients as they prepare their tax slips, as they review with their clients. So just a few, few things. So take it yeah. away, Steve. Why don't you start and I'll do the color commentary on the side. It sounds good. Well, yeah, to further your point, I think a lot of people think they've got to understand insurance intimately in order to bring value, but you don't. You just have to ask some good questions. And hopefully these tips we give you will give you the platform to ask good questions to those clients. First yeah. off, when people are paying for their insurance, like their life insurance, a lot of people pay monthly just because it's a habit. But what they could do is just pay annually. As soon okay. as you pay annually on your insurance, you generally get an eight to 12% discount. Now that's on most policies, but that's a quick little tip. So just ask your clients. Are you paying monthly or are you paying annually? And then they can work out with their advisor if they want to change it up. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously cash flow dependent, right? Some people are paying larger policies, smaller policies, but if they can afford the cash flow, then why not save, you know, eight to 10%? Boom. Instant value as their accountant, you just saved them eight to 10%. Yeah. Case quick. in point, we had a client uh, last month and his premium is about 108 grand. He's paying monthly. Uh, early professional, didn't have the cash flow quite where he wanted. Um, but as soon as we flipped it to annual now, a few years into the policy, it went from 108 down to like 99. So mm -hmm. that's a pretty significant amount of money to save for just monitoring the cash flow and making it work. So good point. There you go. That's real life. That's when it's working. That's what gets you excited. Cool. So another thing is uh, you could ask the client. So sometimes people bought a term policy for a short term, maybe 10 years, but they've changed the length of time that they want that policy to last. But a lot of contracts out there, in fact, recently, one of the big companies have made it so that you can switch from term 10 to term 20 or longer term in the first five to seven years. And so you could just say to the client, hey, do you still need this insurance past that 10 year horizon? If you do, let's switch it, switch it to a 10, 20 year policy or so, to age 65 or a 30 year term, right? So quick little question that you can ask and it gets them thinking about the insurance. Yeah. I actually love, love doing this strategy. Uh, most of the new insurance policies, the term insurance policies that we put in place, I love doing the term 10 and then knowing that we're going to convert it later because we can, we can lock in the insurance at a lower price on the term 10 and then the five to seven or maybe a little earlier 
can switch it to the term 20, no medical underwriting. So we can save a few bucks in the early years, which is which is pretty nice for the client. Yeah. Maybe a third point, uh, when you get some of those old policies or older people, uh, they'll have some contractual guarantees baked into their policies. So you can have policies that have like a 4% guarantee plus a bonus on top of that of up to another 1.5%. So we've seen policies that have contractual guarantees of 5.5% return that people can get on their extra deposits or money going into the policy, which is friggin' huge. Yes, GIC rates have gone up, but they're starting to buffer back down and it's all tax sheltered growth. That's the big key, right? So contractual guarantees, just say to your client, hey, if you have uh, the value of your policy is going up and down, usually in a universal life policy, do you have any contractual guarantees? Next thing we had on there is contract as Steve mentioned, contractual guarantees. That's a big thing when you have interrupted, uninterrupted compounding on a tax-sheltered asset. So these policies, 5.5% contractually guaranteed uninterrupted compounding. You let that sit for a lot of years. You don't have any you know, downside in, in your return. There's no fluctuation in your return. 5.5% can be massive when it comes to the overall cash value that that accumulates inside a policy just because you never have to make up for bad years, right? So really cool. You can just ask, you know, does your your policy, your permanent policy have any guarantees? If you don't know, have your client ask their advisor. Yeah. Another value point. So yeah. Steve, you want to jump in on the next one? You're back. Yeah, for sure. Uh speaking of just investing, uh, you know, accounts are getting T5, T3 slips, and they're able to kind of see where your investment portfolio is, but they don't get any slips from insurance companies. But a lot of insurance policies, specifically universal life policies, they've got investments within it. And sometimes, unfortunately, the investments haven't changed. So just asking your client, have you looked at the investments inside your universal life policy? And have you changed them? Have you talked to the insurance advisor and actually looked at their performance, looked at their fees, right? So just ask that question. I'm not saying that inside the insurance policy is uh, going to always be the place for it, but you should compare it to your outside investments as well. And they probably just haven't changed the actual investment. Case in point, two weeks ago, we had a client and we took a look at their portfolio and they still had like a tech fund from the year 2000 in it. Uh, this is a new policy we took over management of. They had some European equity funds that they bought like in the 90s. So nothing really changed on their platform or structure. So obviously no one's monitoring it. Just ask the question. Yep. Yep. And if it has got to just fit with the overall risk tolerance of the client, right? So yep. as long as the advisor's doing their job, they should understand where their risk of the client is. And then their their universal life investment should just match that risk tolerance yep. uh, to accomplish the goal, right? So. Yep. Just another question that you can ask. You don't need to know the answers to these questions. You just can say, hey, this is, you know, something that I ask my clients. Do you know about this or this or this? And then they can then go find the answer. And you're just adding value to your client right there because no one's talking to your clients about this stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. You can also put triggers in your client's mind of, uh, hey, next time you get your insurance statement, fire it off to me, send an email to me. Because one of the things I, I notice on insurance invest, insurance statements is policy loans. This is when a client at one point has taken out a loan 
against their insurance policy. And it's just in, done internally with the, with the insurance company. But if they don't watch it, there's an interest rate that's being charged. It's usually higher than what the prime or bank rate would be, but the policy oh. loan can start accumulating and it degrades the cash value of that policy. But I had a, a few years ago, a case where a guy had about $60,000 policy loan and he wasn't even aware of it. We brought it up to the accountant wow. and, uh, you know, tried to work through it and it, it was kind of a damaged policy. But my point is just tell your client, Hey, next time you get those uh, insurance statements, fire them off to me, take a look and see if there's any policy loan values on it. Yeah. Perfect. Let's keep going. I know we said we're going to keep it short, so let's keep going. Okay. Um, collateral assignments. Just ask the client, you know, have you assigned your insurance policy to a bank? Uh, maybe they did uh -huh. at one point. Maybe that bank covenant is now gone. You don't need to go through the hassle upon death of going through the bank and proving that it, there's not a loan. Try and take it off right now. So tell your client, take off the collateral loans if you don't need them anymore. Another yep. quick hit, uh, beneficiary audit. Just ask them, who's the beneficiary of your policy? Who do you want it to be? And uh -huh. is that actually matching? I mean, we're insurance advisors yeah. and we'll sometimes ask a question. Do you have a will, a power of attorney, personal directive? And if they say no to any of those things, or if they haven't updated it, we say, well, go talk to your lawyer. Same holds true as an accountant. You can just say, are the beneficiaries of your insurance policies lined up to your wishes? If they are, great. If not, you better talk to your insurance advisor and change it up. Um, yeah. Rather, and I'll just add that, yeah. Steve. Um, not only who is the beneficiary of the policy, but insurance policies have contingent beneficiaries as well. Oh, yeah. So basically what that means is maybe the husband has a policy and he says, oh, yeah, my wife's the beneficiary. She'll get the payout. But a contingent beneficiary would be if the wife passes away at the same time, then who does the money go to? So a lot of times we'll see husband and wife that set policies up five years ago or 10 years ago, and then they have children, but they never update that secondary beneficiary sure. to add the children to the policy because they've just got the primary beneficiary. So it's super easy form to fill out to just add those uh, secondary contingent beneficiaries. Yeah. But then if there was something to happen to both spouses, the kids would then get the money. So yeah. just another tidbit that you can ask of who's the beneficiary and who's the secondary or the contingent beneficiary, right? Yeah, good point. Number one question you can ask, so easy. Do you have enough life insurance? Just ask that. They might have enough or too much or not enough. Simple question. Just ask them, get them yep. thinking about it. Um, yep. Did you have something you want to say, Ren? Well, as you say, and every client's going to have a different definition of what enough is. Some yeah. people will say, just cover my mortgage and my debts and leave a blank slate. Some people say, replace my income for 10 years. Some people say, replace my income for 20 years. Some people want funeral expenses and kids' education. And so that's, that's up to the client to decide. But like Steve said, simple question. Do you have enough life insurance? What does that look like to you? Okay. You don't have to go any further than that. Yeah. But just so the client, like you mentioned, Steve, is understanding. Yeah, we've 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 thought about what we're actually doing with this plan. Yeah. Nobody's asking those questions. Like nobody, no accountant is asking those questions. 
but they're actually questions that can show some care and emotion to it, which leads into sure. advisory work, right? Where you can actually um, do a more diverse planning with clients, but simple, simple task. Another one of my favorites is that, is your insurance policy owned by the corporation or personally? You know, you can just yeah. ask that question and you can explain to the client, you can use small business rate dollars or low taxed dollars to pay for insurance policies. Super easy. And people get it, right? Save taxes, still get my insurance. It's cheaper to buy, more bang for the buck. Super easy. Yeah. And maybe a further conversation we'll have later is the benefits of owning it personally versus corporately, which policies we typically like to see in the corporation versus personally. There is some some nuances in there where you might want to own some personally versus owning it corporately, but that's for a further discussion. Simple question, like Steve said, you can just ask. Yeah. Are your per policies owned personally or corporately? And can we own them corporately if we're able to, to just save save some dollars? So the whole, simple. The whole goal is to get the client thinking, right? If the client gets thinking, then they'll say, well, what do you mean? Or can we, can you go over that? It's, you know, if you're in a busy time, you say, you know what, let's set up another appointment for that. It's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. Now you've just set up your advisory work for, you know, two okay. weeks, two months down the road, and you can actually uh, properly bill for that time and be calm and collected during it, right? So yep. um, yeah. if, if you're dealing with a business owner, a lot of them forget to cover their partner, right? Uh, whether they, now they could cover their partnership agreement. They, you could ask them, are they covering any key employees or maybe they're the key person of the operation? If they're not around, how is it going to operate? So just saying, do you have key person insurance or do you have partnership insurance or shareholder yep. insurance? Well, it, it's, it's amazing to me how many shareholder agreements we see that say it's funded by life insurance, but there's no policy there. Yeah. So is that it's going to be fulfilled. The buyout's going to be fulfilled by the life insurance proceeds. That's what the lawyer drafted, but there's no life insurance actually backing up that, that document. So maybe the question there is, do you have a shareholders agreement? Is it properly yep. funded? There you go. And how is the funding? If it's not through life insurance, it needs to be through some other way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good um, point. You know, sometimes clients, they're doing all the right things. They're textbook clients. They listen, they take advice. And we had this happen about a month ago where a dental professional came and said, what's next, right? They've bought businesses, they've sold businesses, they've done well with investments. They say, what's next? Like, what can I do? And they're looking for more tax-driven strategy. And of course, open for another conversation, but you can, you know, they might come up to the question with you. And then from there, you could just ask, what kind of tax strategy are you looking for? What kind of risk tolerance are you able to handle? And kind of have a more fulsome discussion around there. That's going to obviously take yeah. a lot more expertise to run through. But if they're saying what's next, you could always say, are you willing to um, have me talk to your insurance advisor or someone like ourselves, yeah. of course, to uh, yeah. talk about more advanced strategies? Yeah. Good point. No comments on that. Nailed it. This this next question kind of is just life. Like in general, asking your clients like, is anyone in your family, you know, you're asking usually how their family is. You're asking, 
has anyone in your family or friends come down with any major illnesses or have anyone died? And if they have, I mean, that leads into a question of insurance, right? You'd say, well, yeah, I was thinking about you. And, uh, you know, if you've been through that experience, have you pro taken the proper steps to make sure you don't have to have your family go through that same experience? And sure. if they say, well, I don't know, or I should be like, well, I, I'm willing to help walk you through that process. Um, but let's do it, you yeah. know, at a future time and let's book that meeting for that. So just taking care of when yeah. life happens, I think is the key point. Yeah. yeah. I saw a meme the other day and a, it was a picture and basically it, it was life insurance summarized and you picture the, the meme where there's two windows, like a sales, like you're going to the movies, they got window tickets and over the one it says, uh, GoFundMe page for someone that passed away and there's a line of, you know, a thousand people in that line. The other window's empty and says life insurance. And I <laughs> thought it was comical, but you know, a lot of people are willing to line up to donate for, you know, tragedies that happen to people but they're not willing to line up and actually take care of their family and that conversation if it was to happen to them, right? So just an interesting, you know, thought-provoking medium that I like as an insurance guy, but Bam. I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe one of my last ones is this last year, markets have been down. Lots of people like to complain about it and because they can see their money go up and down. Well, you could talk about insurance as an asset class. You just say, have you ever considered using insurance as a stable asset in your investment portfolio? Yeah. They probably will say no. If they do, you could say, well, let's have that conversation in the future. Or if you have time, you can say it right there. But have you considered insurance yeah. as an asset class of your portfolio? Simple question. Yeah. And insurance has got a it's got a valuable part in an in a portfolio. It's part of that portfolio that we need to be maximizing in every different way. But for for unique clients, there's there's opportunity for them to take advantage of some of the benefits that insurance has. And you as the accountant know better than any other professional in in your clients' lives their financial health and what that looks like. So, you know, a good conversation is life insurance as an asset class for, for those that it's appropriate with. So you'll know your clients. Yeah. You'll know the people that, you know, have the cash flow and have the capacity. It's not for everybody to buy a permanent insurance policy and use it as an asset, but there are people that are, are making good money and they need, you know, the security and the safety and the compounding and tax-free growth and the sheltering that are offered from insurance policies. So you know better than anyone, your clients and who that would be appropriate for. Maybe my last loaded question. Have you gone through these questions yourself as an accountant? You need to ask these questions because if you can ask them and go through the process of answering them for yourself, you're going to be able to share that story and that journey with your own clients and say, Hey, I identified some gaps in my own planning. And when I look at your planning, there may be some of those same gaps. Are you willing to go through an advisory process to make sure that we're covering you, your business, your family? And you've gone through that experience. You've answered these questions for your own situation. You'll be a lot uh, better positioned to answer for your, your clients as well. There you go. That would be my, my tidbits. There's some quick, quick hits for you. We said we'd keep it short and sweet, so a few little topics for you that you can ask your clients this tax season. So 
Thanks for joining us. Hope you found this valuable. We'll uh, chat again soon. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.